You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 267 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good, I'm good. What's happening in Gina world since we last spoke? Oh, so much is going on. I can't even think of anything specific. I know something that has been going on because I got you onto the reboot of 90210 and you're watching it and you love it. I do love it. I do love it. I love that. I love that. Um, how they poke fun at themselves. I love how mm, clever the idea. Clever. You just because you think we've seen it all, right? Mm. You think we would had seen it all, and then here's this show that it's like no, it's not. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. I can't even describe it, but y- you know. There is, there is hope for fresh ideas and yeah, new ways of seeing things. So, of course, you're not listening to a podcast on television. You're listening to <laughs> So You Want to Be a Photographer. But we do have a soft spot for 90210, like one of G's, Gina's main – I just almost called you Jesus. Yeah, that's all right. I wasn't going to argue. <laughs> one of Gina's um, favourite poses, go-to poses for group shots is the 90210. Yeah. Because of, you know, the famous group shot that they had back in the day but um, th- we're talking now about the reboot of 90210 where they play fictionalized versions of themselves as in the actors and it is very very clever so yeah but we will move on because this week we're talking about the complete guide to black and white photography mm. however before we get on to that you've been doing a lot with the gold community this week haven't you Gina? Oh, just like I want to welcome all the new Goldies that have come on board in the last couple of weeks and it's just been very exciting and working with them on getting their their quotes up there, getting their prices up, getting them to raise their prices Mm. and then just hearing back, you know, the excited feedback of like, you know, they're making um, all this extra money and, uh, you know, kicking new goals and like just – my my favorite bit, Val, and I know you you would have this with your students, is when you see that moment when something clicks. Yes, you know, and they and and it's like because they'll post their photos and then I'll we'll, we'll give critique and then they'll go back and do it again and then you just see that moment where it mm. clicks and then they just take off and there's been a, a lot of that in the last uh, couple of weeks and winning awards and all sorts of things it's it's um it's so exciting to watch it makes my it's so beautiful to wake up every morning because it's like from all over the world so the time zones are all over the place so I usually wake up every morning and see you know some amazing shoots from everywhere so it's fantastic yeah, absolutely fantastic. So if you're interested in finding more about the gold community and how you can work directly with Gina, have a listen to this. 
This podcast is brought to you by the Gold Community. I'm passionate about helping the members of the Gold Community. They're amazing photographers and I love seeing them progress in leaps and bounds. Here's what BJ Brito had to say. I think with you, the thing is, it's almost like I'm talking to a friend and your responsiveness is so amazing. It's like I have my own personal coach all the time. Hey, Gina, how can I set this up? Okay, and Gina is like right there discussing this with me and you know setting this up for me. That's really amazing. And it, it's such a big help, especially like on the days, like I mentioned, my first shoot, you know, that was, that's where I realized the value that you bring with this whole setup. And I'm so thankful to have you as part of my journey that you've helped me through. And I look forward to, you know, being working with you through this next five years or Thanks. more. Thank you, VJ. It's like it's my greatest joy seeing everyone, um, you know, progress and uh, you know shine as photographers. And I've got big plans for you. So uh, thanks again. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold Community, just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right, and if you do join the Gold Community, I can't wait to see you in there and connect. So, what else have you got for us this week, Gina? So we've talked about this week we're going to do a whole podcast on black and white photography. Yes. So beautiful. Love so it. Beautiful. I go through my phases, as you know, and, and there are a few uh, very important steps to getting your head around photography. It shouldn't be something that's accidental. And I thought just to warm everyone up, I'm sharing a link uh, to a, a photographer that I stumbled across. It's mm-hmm. um, And I'm not sure how to say his surname. Do you want to have a crack at that? Alan. <laughs> Shaller. So it's there you go. Alan I'll go with Shaller. that. And it's if you want to check him out, he's Alan A L A N Shaller, S C H A L L E R. But of course, we'll put the link in the show notes. AlanShaller.com. Only a young guy in his thirties, but like really, when you look at his work, it's uh, very graphic and nat- nature, graphical in nature. Is that the right word, Val? So you know, and definitely, you can see that this guy walks around thinking in terms of black and white, mm. and he's really seeing those pockets of light. And I'd say his style is very high contrast, very. and uh, then using really strong. Um, geographical uh geometrical sorry uh components in his work and like the use of light and shade uh, beautiful and uh so check that out and really get your head thinking in terms of black and white for this episode Mm. because by the time we're finished you're all going to be on a little black and white <laughs> kick yeah, it's as well excellent. as it's So, me. yeah, re- really beautiful shots. But also we have a question from a member of our community, and if you're not part of the listener community over on Facebook, it's free to join. Just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community and request to join. We'd love to have you in there. But Steve has mentioned in the community as much as I love color photography I find time and time again that black and white images speak to me more strongly it's almost as though the lack of color allows the strength of the photo to shine through I'd love to hear an episode on when to choose color over black and white (laughs) all right and so what he's done also um, is upload some of his own black and white photos and they're lovely so if you want to check them out we will put them in the show notes which you can find at ginamilitia.com and most of these images he's actually taken in a fishing setting as in you know when you're a fisherman um, and you're casting 
bait and stuff like that. Um, and there's a guy holding out a shucked oyster. He's wearing um, waders and is is in a boat. And um, and he's there's I I guess um, Steve takes his dog with him fishing because there's some great black and white images of his dog. There's a beautiful close up, very close up, of some pretty dirty hands. It looks like it doing something with some tools or some bait or a fishing reel, um, and it's a black and white shot. But, yeah, they're, they're lovely photos. But I suspect, Gina, that it's Steve's question that has sparked this uh, bespoke episode on black and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Steve is actually uh, he's a chef and a photographer. Ooh. So you can see that the the like the love of food and his mm. interest in food, and now he's also uh, a photographer as well. Which is, I think, I'm seeing a lot of professions doing that. Like you might see someone who's uh, like you know, makes their own products, but they also want to photograph them as well. Or someone like Steve who has a love of uh, food. And some images really lend themselves to black and white, but obviously, Steve, when you're shooting food, there's going to be some images that you're going to want to shoot in color as well. So let's get into this episode, Val, shall we, and uh, talk about when when you want to choose those and how to get the best results uh, for your color images. So like when, when I started shooting in black and white it needed to be something that I thought of in advance of well course, everyone yes everyone had be- to think of it in advance well, back not then. everyone there's people who have been like the first camera they've picked up is digital so like no but everyone when you were shooting when you yes. started shooting had to decide in advance whether they wanted to shoot in black and white or not because they had to choose their film and load it yeah so um, it really needed to be that decision, oh, this image is going to look uh, better in black and white. And so, um, but but often we get confused and there was this, there's this whole romantic notion around black and white that everything, if you, if you convert something to black and white, suddenly it's 50% cooler, right? <laughs> you know, so, but... And often uh, great black and whites, like, and even when I was starting out, I would shoot with black and white film and then I'd be frustrated but I was going, okay, I've got the black and white film. Why doesn't this look good? And why is it that last week when I shot, that shot looked really good? And I never put two and two together realising that, that there are certain conditions, uh, you know, lighting, the, the nature of what you're photographing that's going to make a good black and white and there's other things that possibly you should avoid because it's not going to work. And some subjects just really lend themselves to colour. So I think a good exercise... Um, you know, it's not enough to just take your shot, whack a, an Instagram filter on it, and then you pat yourself on the back and you go, how good am I? I'm such a good photographer. You want to know why, why it is, and then you'll develop that eye that will be able to look at a scene and say, this isn't going to work in black and white, or I know this is going to make an amazing uh, black and white image. So, you know, um, that I know you collect quotes now, Val. And I know I've inspired you to um, create a journal. Um, it's basically, did you dedicate that journal to me I to inspire not, you? Why not? Well, I didn't dedicate it to anyone. You should have <laughs> because it's like this is dedicated to Gina who inspired me to love quotes. Okay. So will the next one be dedicated to me? Uh, well, it, they're not going to be dedicated to anyone, but I'll say it like verbally. 
<laughs> uh, uh, that I inspired you? Yes. There go, you go on. That you've inspired me to love quotes. <laughs> okay, can we, uh, Ra, can we make that a commercial, please? <laughs> Just cut that and uh, it'll be on my show reel somewhere. Okay. Um, so this quote, to see in colour is a delight for the eye, but to see in black and white is a delight for the soul. Isn't that a fantastic mm. quote? Val, you that can take one. that. Um, okay. So what is so good about black and white? Well, it's timeless. So it is true that if you convert an, an, an image to black and white, you take away a lot of the distractions and things that can kind of visual cues that can tell you what era that image was shot in. So it does give it that timeless look. And the, the, one of the main things with black and white is it takes away distractions of colours and you're forcing the viewer to um, focus on the light, the form and the texture and the contrast. So everything, all the distracting details are stripped away, you know. Mm -hmm. So if you're shooting a, a street scene and uh, you've got people in the scene if you shoot in colour, there's always a woman who's in a fluorescent tracksuit or a man, right? Bright <laughs> track. And your eye, our eye, naturally goes to the brightest part of the image. So it doesn't matter how beautiful and clean the lines are in this, you know, this image. If you've gone for a certain clean uh, and elegant look and everyone in the image is dressed in, say, you know, grey suits and then there's that pink tracksuit there in the midst that's where the eye is going to yes. naturally go so if you shot that in black and white that will disappear and blend in it so it's a lot easier to get a cleaner image mm -hmm. all right so the and the, the other thing is it's kind of like um do you know the difference between um when you read a book val right yeah. The, the the writer will set the stage for you. Like they'll say, okay, I'm, I'm making this up as I go along. But like, <laughs> so, you know, Jimmy and Johnny were walking along a road. Mm -hmm. Now the writer doesn't, some writers, like not all, but the, the, depending on how much detail they want to give, they're not telling you what the road looks like. Was it asphalt? Was it dirt? What did you imagine when sure. I said Jimmy and Johnny were walking along the road? What? What road did Just you have in mind? Bitumen road. Bitumen. I had a dirt road. Okay. I could see the dust rising as they walked. Right. All right. And everyone listening at home would have had a different mental image. Sure. Same with when you're – so if I took a photo of Jimmy and Johnny walking along a road um, in colour, let's say, mm. then – all of that information is there. You can see that it might have been a dirt road because you can see the colour of it. You can see the colour of the clothes they're wearing. You can tell if the sky is blue. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, sure. When it's in black and white, you kind of have to um, – your mind has to fill in all those missing details you know, instead. So you're filling in the blanks mm. quickly as you're looking at that image. And the longer you're looking at the image, the more you're thinking about it, the more you connect, more connected you become to that image. Okay. So it's it's kind of a maybe a way that people become more involved and invested in the image because their mind has to do that little bit of extra work in filling in all the blanks that we're not giving them. So it's kind of like stripping it bare and just giving the basics. So that makes sense. So that's another, yeah. I, I guess, advantage of shooting in black and white. So let's talk about 
how the mind actually sees and how to see in black and white because um, this is one of the things that I really struggled with uh, early on when I started shooting. And, and, and as I said, I would shoot something and it would look great and then I'd try and replicate that and could never get it and never understood why. And that's basically when you understand how color converts to black and white, it's going to help you uh, learn how to see your black and white image. And I think that's the that, that's a good way to get good black and white images is to start training your brain yep. to look at the world. And when you're on a black and white um, kick, to, to start looking at images and visualizing them in your mind's eye. And we talked about this last week. Uh, the secret of great photography is to be able to pre-visualize how that image will look before you shoot it. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. so you can start looking and, and seeing, you're almost seeing that image in black and white. So in the show notes at ginamilitia.com, mm. if you get a chance, uh, go and have a look. I've got a color wheel and basically I've uh, got all the colors there of, of the of the rainbow pretty much, blue, magenta, yellow, yes. light green, right, in color as we see them. And then what I've done underneath is converted those to black and white and you notice what happens is that uh, when you convert images to black and white a lot a lot of them suddenly start to look very similar so you see that red magenta and green when they're converted to black and white look very similar you see that Yep, Just slightly absolutely. different tones, but it's like a similar kind of a mid-gray. Yes. And you can see that yellow and light blue look very, very similar. similar. Yep. Yeah. So, And light green and blue uh, look identical to each other and so do green and red. So yes. keep this in mind because – so, Yeah, because an image can pop in color – but once converted to black and white, uh, you lose that contrast. And so if we scroll down, Val, in the show notes, you can see that, you know, this is, this is why. So coming mm. back to uh, Steve's question uh, about how is it, how do you know when to shoot something in colour? And then as a, uh, a chef, Steve, if you want to, you know, show off uh, some fresh produce, and you want it to look good, then obviously colour, if you've got, say, red tomatoes against a green background, um, they're opposite colours, they're going to, the red against the green is really going to pop. It stands out and you can see that in the image. Mm. If I take that same image and remember the colour wheel, red photographs as a dark grey, and so does green. They both absorb light and they photograph a lot darker than they look in color, if that makes sense. So when we convert something like red tomatoes on a green background, they look very similar and we lose the contrast. Where the contrast is obvious in color, not so not so nice in black and white, no. is it? It kind of looks, it just looks like, well, it's not, it's nothing. It really loses all of its impact. Yeah. Definitely. So 
So that's a good thing to think of. And uh, something that I've noticed a lot in all the portraits, and it took me a while, there were certain skin tones that just photograph well in, in black and white and others that don't. And it, again, it comes down to contrast. So I found that if I'm photographing someone with fair hair mm. and fair skin, mm. uh, there's not a lot of contrast, like some people with silver hair and light colored skin, mm. uh, you convert that to black and white. And, it, and and if they're on a, say, like a light colored background, no contrast mm. in that image whatsoever. So it ends up looking really flat. Same with uh, red skin tones. You need to remember that a red skin tone, what happens to red when we convert it to black and white? What it's quite it's it? quite a dark gray oh, right. so it's so the often the skin <laughs> yeah so often the skin tone will look a lot darker than mm. it normally would in color so there are issues there so you've got to uh, knowing what happens when you convert the colors is going to help you a lot uh, down the track the other thing that you want to be thinking of is um, why what what is it that you're trying to convey in the image and is color? important in setting the mood yeah. of an image so obviously if you're shooting a sunset why it's the color right that, that gives the emotion and everyone mm. connects to those beautiful yellows and, and oranges when you see a sunset so obviously that's going to be important uh, to, to making that a color image so is uh, that warm light where you see in the afternoon or a sunrise so if the color is important, then you know you you shoot that in, as color, and and sometimes you can just have little pops of color in an image, which make it work, and uh, so that's why you would choose color over black and white. And we will do a, a, an entire episode um, shortly, Val, on on the language of color in photography, so that you, you've got that both those skills as well. Okay. So it's very important. So. I'll show you another image, Val, where it, you, you look at the image and, and you, you can see that, well, it, it actually colour confuses the subject, but when you shoot it in black and white, it simplifies everything. So I've got a girl um, in Paris um, jumping across uh, like doing a, a dance move across the street, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful blue sky. It's She's like a leap. It's a leap, mm -hmm. uh, and she's leaping in front of the Eiffel Tower. Yes. Okay, so we've got the sandstone of the uh, the building, and we've got the beautiful blue sky, and she's dressed in like a silk multicolored dress. Mm. So it all looks very amazing. Dress. Yeah, in color, it's a hot mess. There's mm -hmm. so much to look at and it's like, well, where, there's so much going on in this image mm -hmm. uh, and it's also very contrasty light. But when it's converted to black and white, it simplifies everything and we've got the leading lines and it just becomes about the girl and the leap and then the, the background is just like supporting cast in that image. So it just it's not as exhausting for the eye to mm -hmm. look at something in this instance it's, it's a lot easier to look at because we've simplified. We've taken the color out. We've taken all the distraction out of this image. Yep, that makes sense. All right. Um, so your did, you images, know, did you know that, that you were This gonna... was always in my head as a black yep. and white image. Okay. Always. Mm -hmm. No question because, yeah, it's a hot mess in color. Um, 
So I've got an exercise that I think is going to help everyone with being able to see and train train their mind to start seeing in black and white. So um, if you're just if you're working with a smartphone, which is easy, just um, convert your camera to um, black and white. You can convert it to just shoot in black and white, and then just for the next little while. Just shoot in black and white and shoot everything that you see. Don't worry about thinking, is this a good scenario or is this not a good scenario? Just look for images, interesting images, shoot lots of different skin tones and you'll start to see a pattern develop in the style of the images that work better as opposed to the ones that just don't. And that's a really good exercise. If you want to take out your um, you know, your, your DSLR and do the same thing, then what you do is uh, set, set your camera to shoot RAW and JPEG mm-hmm. and then convert uh, the processor because you can change uh, the way that the camera shoots to shoot in black and white. And so what will happen is the JPEGs will be black and white, but the RAW files will be um, color so you you don't lose the information but what's the benefit what you, of doing that if you uh, go, you can just change it later to black because it's the idea of the in, instantly seeing oh, right, yeah. what looks good mm-hmm. all right so you're shooting in black and white you're seeing in black and white you've seen the images will pop up immediately uh, in black and white if you've got a mir- mirrorless you can actually preview that in the viewfinder if you've got a DSLR you'll see it on the back of the uh, the viewfinder there and so that's just going to train you up a lot faster to see in black and white. So yeah. I would just spend the next week, if you can, just just I'm just going to shoot in black and white. And you will notice a huge difference um, as to how you start to see and think about uh, images. So let's, let's go on to, Val, what are the best subjects for black and white photography, what works okay. and what doesn't, all right? So let's start with easy subjects for black mm-hmm. and white photography. So... Uh, easy subjects are images that are high in contrast and already lack color, you know, so they, they will look beautiful in black and white. So I've got in the show notes an image of a zebra crossing, which is obviously, uh, you know, stripes. <laughs> and yes. then uh, I've got a, uh, a cyclist riding past in silhouette and then it's hard light, so high contrast light, so you can see his shadow mm. on the road in front of him. And it's like practically the image was black and white when I shot it. Mm. It wasn't a big stretch to uh, convert that to black and white. So that's that's easy. And um, if we go back to uh, uh, shots like um, Alan, how did you say his surname? Shella. 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 Shella la 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 la. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm sure Alan be, have, has, has, hasn't heard that before. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm original. If you look at his images, um, you can see that he's also looking for uh, that that sort of high contrast look with the light. You can see that and uh, Mm. it's not a stretch to imagine these images in colour because it's a lot of silhouettes. Silhouettes work really well and uh, looking for – he does have a lot of silhouettes in his images and then um, high contrast lighting. So that's uh, usually a winner for black and white. Uh, So, And I've also got uh, a shot that I I shot from uh, uh, underneath of uh, a flock of birds in flight. So it was a blue sky 
Um, but I think I blew it, blew it out by focusing on, on the, no, no, it was a great, it was one of those, um, poopy skies. That's a new, is that a new word? It was a caca light day. And a a caca light produces a poopy sky. A caca light produces produces a a poopy sky. So it was one of those, you know, when you've just got a blanket of light gray Mm -hmm. cloud, it's like nothing. It's not even dramatic. It's just like it's like a white sheet on the sky mm-hmm. and this flock of uh beautiful birds flew above me and I got that shot and so it to, that that looked black and white yes. when I shot it as well and it obviously converts well as a black and white the other thing Val you're going to need uh mm-hmm. to make a good black and white is contrast now one yes. of the things I love to do whenever I'm in a new location and particularly if I'm going to be staying there for a few days is I try and uh locate some kind of uh back I, I I kind of find a place that I really like to photograph and I'll photograph it morning noon night all different times mm-hmm. of the day uh just to see how it it changes in the different light conditions. Mm. Uh, and then I get good examples for this sort of stuff. But mm. you can see the difference. So this was um, a place I stayed in in Vasto in Italy where it was like the, the facade of a, a bar pizzeria, right? Mm-hmm. And in the, uh, I think it was late afternoon, like early evening, like daylight savings time, you know, that flat sort of nothing light. Uh, I took a shot of it and it's very flat and I've converted it to black and white. And I want to show you that directly under that image, Mm. same location, but it's morning light. So it's Mm. the sun is low in the sky and um, the sun is kind of going across the building and it creates these really dramatic shadows. And can you see that suddenly that this whole image has come to life Mm. and it's got depth? And that's devi- defined by the the light. So that's just a simple example of how important the time of day that you shoot. So I think the mistake that a lot of people make when they're trying to do good black and whites is they're shooting in super flat lighting, which is mm. going to give you a really good tonal range. So you'll get detail in the highlights, detail in the shadows, detail in the black. So your, your black to white ratios are going to be very long. You're going to get all different colors of gray, but that makes for a really dull photo. Yeah, It's con- yeah. a dull black and white. You need that contrast. It gives it that snap. So that's the thing I see a lot when people convert an image to black and white is often it looks too flat. There's not enough punch. There's not enough contrast. And that's going to start with the kind of lighting that you choose. Uh, when you're shooting black and white cool all right so but light and shadows light and shadows is is everything so Mm. look for hard light uh, that's going to create contrast and create beautiful scenes so early morning light uh, late afternoon light gives those long, beautiful shadows, that beautiful, hard directional light. And what you want to do is when you see these images, it's just a matter of playing around with your camera settings. So if you go out in, in, in these sorts of uh, lighting conditions and try and set your camera to automatic, what the camera is going to do, what Hans has programmed it to do is not to give you beautiful high contrast black and white images. Hans wants you to create very average images and Hans is very happy if you get detail in the highlights and detail in the shadows. So he's going to try and flatten your image. So what you need to do is say, no, Hans, no. I'm going to take over from here and you're going to flick it onto manual and you're going to expose 
for the highlights. And what's going to happen is you'll get detail in the highlights of your image. Your, your, all the shadows are just going to go to black and you end up with a beautiful black and white uh, image. So have a practice with that when you have your black and white day and um, set your exposing or your focus point to the brightest point of the image and change your shutter speed aperture to you get that, that correct. You've exposed for the highlights okay and yeah, then you will yeah. get an image you crush the blacks let the blacks go just get the the whites happening and you're going to get this beautiful um high contrast black and white image and look for those beautiful uh shadows and highlights high contrast light early morning light late afternoon light gives you that all right. Yep, makes sense. Okay, next thing you want to do is um, you look for patterns. Patterns make great black and white images. So often mm. you see uh, buildings where there might be ge ge geometri geometric. Like I've got <laughs> geographic in my head. I just need to travel so badly, Val. You've got no idea. Oh um, geometric patterns yes, geometric. make great black and white. So if you think of it like large scale, when you often you see, you might see um, – large scale buildings the way um they're built the the the, the way uh, like the pattern happens repetitive patterns uh, look for that in black and white and look for that in hard light and that makes for a great image and then i happen to find a guy who's dressed <laughs> in geometric patterns and brought it found a wall that was geometric mm, and the two combined fantastic. just works so well in black and white don't you think mm, so look brilliant. for those they're, they're, they exist and uh, I, I thought this worked better in color because this guy is actually wearing I think a bright pink shirt I think his jacket is bright green uh, but converted to black and white just because of the geometric nature of the clothes <laughs> it just works and so um, basically it's an older guy and he is wearing not only um, a shirt that's very geometric, that's lots of diagonal lines, he's then contrasted that with a jacket that is like checks or plaid. Yeah. Yeah. And then the um, wall that Gina shot him against is also lots of diagonal lines against some horizontal lines next to like an air vent that has lots of horizontal lines and then again with the geometric and horizontal lines. So I'm interested to know, Gina, whether you found the guy, found the wall first and thought you'd find a guy who can go in front of it or you found the guy and then you found the wall or how did that work in real life? So that was uh, in Spain and I knew the wall was there and uh, I found the so I guess I saw the wall first, maybe two days before, and then I saw the guy and, and I went up to him and I, I said in English, I said, I can't let you leave without me photographing you because you look amazing. That's my pickup line. Okay, because you wanted I have to, to pick photograph up like him. No, I wasn't, I wasn't picking him up, but it was just like, <laughs> you look amazing. And then I knew that I said, will you come around the corner with me down this lane? Oh, my God. <laughs> and, uh, and, then the, and then there happened to be a couple walking in the op opposite direction. And I said, hey, guys, can you hold this for a minute? And I gave them the light. And that's how oh, I got the shot. Fantastic. <laughs> oh so goodness. that that and that is very flat lighting. 
like very flat and even lighting and i have lit his face but i've kept it all in keeping with the the existing lighting so i've kind of matched my fill flash with the ambient lighting um you can then get rid of all distractions using that technique that I talked about using exposing for the highlights Mm -hmm. gives you all the details and beautiful shadows where you've got like a hard light early morning condition and so I've got another example that I shot in Glasgow where if if I was to open this image up and show you, like, uh, overexpose it so you could see that behind the guy, so all we're seeing is the outline of shadows from buildings as a background and then sort of half the figure of a man emerging from the shadows. So basically He's, it is an older guy again because Gina seems to be obsessed with shooting older people and he's wearing fairly dark clothes, sort of like a suit because he's got a shirt and tie but you don't see much of the shirt and tie because he's wearing a dark um, jacket over it and he is against what you assume are buildings but in fact 90% of the um of the image is in shadow so really all you see is essentially his face and well maybe down to his chest that's lit and only selected bits of the background which you can tell are buildings because the rest is shadow and obviously Gina's done that deliberately because it's to great effect so you continue, Gina? Yeah, so I've got like I would say um, 70%, 70% of this image is black. Yeah, black and 90% is, yeah, shadowy. Mm-hmm. Wait, 70% is black? Yeah, completely black, but shadow is still not totally black, right? So the other 20% is not totally black, but it's dark. <laughs> Yeah, so there's a good proportion. Remember, I'm a former accountant, so I've got the proportions better than you. <laughs> there's a good percentage of this image is black. And so the, the the thing that we talked about earlier with black and white is now your mind, when you look at the image, needs to fill in the blanks. So when you present an image like this with this negative space in an area where you're looking at the image going, there is stuff in there, I wonder what's in there. Yeah. And, and it actually lets you want to linger on that image longer to fill in the gaps. And then the longer you look at something, the more chance there is that you might like it. So it's that that stop the scroll kind of thing or get someone to walk in front of that image and stand there and like it. If I was to show you the correctly exposed or the Hans version of this image where the highlights are, are, there's detail in the highlights and detail in the shadow, you would see the rubbish bins, uh, garbage bins, uh, other people wearing pink uh, tracksuit pants w- walking to work and just uh, str- uh, signs of like coffee bean or whatever, uh, you know, generic uh, coffee shop was there and all the assorted guff in the background. Do you think it would be as strong a shot with all of that detail? Of course not. No. So you, you can do a lot with black and white to get rid of all of the distracting information and just make it about uh, the, a strong subject with little 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 hints of where it might be uh you know uh that it, that it's somewhere it's like not obviously not melbourne who knows where it is mm. you know so that that's what i'm going for so you can really work with uh shadow and light in that way um when you're shooting landscapes uh drip skies and textures 
like so um, rustic textures or stones and things like that. Anything that's weathered looks incredible in black and white and when you've got sexy clouds in the sky, mm. uh, dramatic skies also look amazing in black and white. So you take the opportunity that like often um, when you see that it's like there's a massive storm brewing, people will think, I'll stay inside. It's not a good day to shoot, but that's actually a really great day to get out there and shoot black and white images because you've got like the water's choppy, you've got all uh, the, the dramatic um, – clouds and all sorts of things going and then you've also got the added bonus is if it's rained the ground is wet and so you're going to get all these extra reflections which are just going to add depth and drama to your image Mm. all right so that's it now post-processing is one area that I see uh, a lot of people uh, make Uh, a few errors when they're first getting into black and white and we've touched on this earlier about having uh, enough contrast in the image but that the things that I see the most is that overall the images are a little bit uh, flat and they look too grey and it's something that like I spent um, I think about six months working in a black and white lab um, early, early, early on. And uh, what I had to do all day long is just print and then show my seniors the prints and I'd get the same for the first couple of months. It's flat was the reply. It's flat. And I'm like, what do you mean? Needs more contrast. Go mm-hmm. up a stop, you know, get, get, get that contrast. So they really drummed into me the importance of having Every black and white image needs a good black point Mm. and it also needs a good white point and then a good tonal range in between. So what you need, what makes a good black and white is contrast and this is the stuff that we go over and over and over and over again uh, in the gold community and it's like, you know, making sure that the skin tone doesn't look grey or dull. You wanted to make sure that the contrast is there as well, but you don't want to make sure you've got too much contrast. So um, if if you're just starting out uh, and you're getting in and you do have Lightroom, what I suggest is like you can get some really good Lightroom presets that do the black and white for you. And then what you do is you put the preset on your image and then have a look at what the, what the sliders are doing. It's a really good way to learn Lightroom as a beginner. Mm. And um, so th- that is a great start there. I think there are some good black and white presets loaded into Lightroom and then um, just put them in the, do your photos and pop them up in the, so you want to be a photographer, Facebook community. And yeah. we've got so many amazing photographers in there that will, will help you out. It's such a, um, a beautiful and gentle and nurturing community. I'm so proud of all the photographers in there. There's been um, quite a few uh, people sharing like either good things or, or you know, things that haven't quite gone their way and the support that comes out of there. Like there was, there was a thread that was like 40 comments long that I was reading the other day going, these guys are amazing. So mm. don't be afraid to please load your images up into the Facebook group. You get nothing but positive. Uh, in in this Facebook group and people will just getting a bit of like uh, encouragement the way I did when I started going the image because you're not seeing it at first so the image needs more contrast adjust your black give it a little bit more white that's going to help you really start to see the subtle differences of what makes a good black and white and what where it needs some help 
Fantastic. That's really great advice. All right. So, yeah. And then if you want to go next level, then obviously learning to burn and dodge your images uh, is going to really add depth and tone to your image. So, you know, understanding that is going to take your uh, images to the next level. And um, if you want to get uh, free presets, uh, then this is something that I give away at least every month. I give away presets. So uh, sign up to the newsletter if you haven't done so already. Um, and I, I give away uh, black and white presets regularly as well. Yep, brilliant. And so you can sign up over at GinaMilitia.com. That's M-I-L-I-C-I-A. And I have to say, you know, Gina's newsletters are absolutely fantastic. They come every fortnight and you always learn something. They are gems. But you get some added bonuses as well when you are a subscriber. All right, so we come now to Aussie Slang of the Week. Gina, (laughs) over to you. All right, so this week's Aussie Slang of the Week, I I rather like this word, Bicky, (laughs) Bicky, B-I-C-C-Y. Bicky. (laughs) Bicky. All right, so for those of us in Australia, we're very familiar with this term because as a child it's probably one of the most used words because you always say mama want a bicky and um <laughs> yes so and if you went, went to america or somewhere in north america and said it you'd they'd probably think you're nuts because you guys call them cookies and or crackers or crackers really yeah well mm. but then no they're mainly cookies bickies are more like cookies so that's short it's short for biscuits and um, but yeah, in Australia, you shorten everything. So, and biscuit is uh, biscuit in uh, North America is something completely different. Again, so a yes. biscuit is actually a baked. Um, uh, it's it, it's something served hot, isn't it? It's like a baked. Oh um, yeah, vaguely. I don't really so know. I, c- I can't remember where I was, but yes, I was going I through a, a small country town um, in in the Midwest and the waitress recognised that we were a group of Australians travelling. Yeah. I was like following a race team. This was last year. And uh, she, she, she's like, oh, my God, you're from Australia. This is amazing. This is the most exciting thing that's ever happened. The race driver's signing autographs. I'm like, oh, my God. And then she came over and she said the best line, it made me me so happy Valerie she mm-hmm. said oh this is so exciting because we're as country as a tin of biscuits here <laughs> I said did you just say we're as country as a tin of biscuits she said yes ma'am I said that you've made my day I'm so happy <laughs> so but biscuits is not we call biscuits what you would what North Americans will call cookie, yeah, cookie. Um, but, but it's a baked thing please you can you can correct yeah, me for, if I'm for wrong the Americans just to, yeah. out there the North Americans please post images in what's the, a biscuit post an image of a what biscuit, a biscuit yeah, is in your yeah. country because actually because I love scones and first time I ordered scones in America I'm like what the hell is this what was it because they're not they they're not like our scones our scones are totally different we share the same scones as um the UK yeah uh but yeah they're not scones in America in America scones you you can buy them it's the scones at Starbucks they're um are they like muffins? No, they're like what shortbread they? kind of. Oh, so they're like they're like a oh, okay. They're harder, not as hard as shortbread, but it's um it's a completely different type of food. 
Okay. Um, actually, maybe it's biscuits who are that are like scones. They might then. be biscuits. Might be like scones in. Yes, because I remember I used to go to the American club all the time when I lived in Singapore and and I think that, oh, I'm so confused. But anyway, do let us know. Clearly we didn't do our research as to what the American Bicky is, but the Australian Bicky is like your cookie and I've had. You have your Bicky with a cuppa. I did that just before this podcast. Have a cuppa and a Bicky. So cuppa is a cup of tea. For our Dutch um, listeners, I had speckless. That's a Dutch Bicky. Is it what is that licorice or something or no no what is no it? but there is some Dutch licorice downstairs but yeah. um no it's a biscuit like it's a speckless <laughs> okay speckless. there you go Fantastic. that's well, enough the end of it. it's so cultural <laughs> well, let's just go back to <laughs> photography now it's or something not so else. you want to be a linguist <laughs> <laughs> all right where do we find you online Gina we're going to wrap up this episode. I'm at GinaMilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. And you can also find me on Instagram and all social media at GinaMilitia. And if you want to take your photography to the next level and learn stuff other than uh, bickies and cuppers, <laughs> then uh, join me in the goal community. That's at uh, GinaMilitia.com and click on join the community. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.